All right, so last week we, uh, we, began, uh, we began learning the mit- uh, a new mitzvah, the mitzvah of Kaivesh Schar Sacher, Tashlumi Schar Sacher, the mitzvah of paying an employee, someone that you owe money for their work, you have the mitzvah to pay them on time. Okay, so that's what we discussed. Uh, that was the mitzvah sort of we, we were introduced to last week. And uh, last week we went, to, we went through a number of the details of like the practicalities of the mitzvah. But again, just to sort of remind ourselves, just to sum up what the mitzvah was. Obviously, when a person works for you, whatever the case may be, they work with their body, you know, they labor for you, uh, they work for you through their possessions. So, you know, uh, you use their, their objects, uh, you rent their property, whatever the case may be. Any level of, of work that a person does for another person with the own money, so obviously you have to pay. That's without a question. And that's a right of an employee is to receive wages, whatever the... The contract was, that's for sure. But what we, what we saw last week was that there's a special mitzvah. Now, let me explain. And obviously, if a person, as an employer, does not pay his employee, right, then that's, that's called stealing. So there's a, there's a Mr. Gezel, and that's called, that's called stealing. Gezel, le sigzel, not to steal, doesn't only mean literally go to someone's uh, property or whatever it is, they literally take something. The person's owed wages, and you don't pay. That's also called gezel. But we were introduced last week to a new, a new mitzvah, which is that not only does the employer have to pay, but there's a special mitzvah that he has to pay on time, or within the first, like once the, whatever the deal was of when the employee is uh, rightfully owed his money, you have the, that till the end of that time frame to pay back properly to fulfill the mitzvah that you, that you have. So for example, what we saw was if a person is a, is a day laborer, so he's working literally all day, and so he has rights to his wages one, once it comes sunset, the day's over. So the employer has a mitzvah to pay that night. And if he goes past that night, then he's in violation of prohibitions and mitzvahs that we saw last week. And the same thing would be the reverse. If a person's a night laborer, so they're working all night, and they're right, they have right to get paid by sunrise. Well, that means the employer has the responsibility to pay within that day until that sundown, right? And if he doesn't, then he's in violation of prohibitions and mitzvahs. That's what we saw last week. Kaivish, schar sacher. Okay, so, and we went through the details, what type of labor and, and all the different, uh, not all, many different things that come from it. But, but tonight, so I want to talk about just the concept of this mitzvah in general. We, I, I touched upon this last week, but now we'll go into it a little bit more in depth. The question is as follows. Since we're going to see some practical differences between these two sides of the argument and different opinions, on both sides of, uh, of the fence. The question is like this, what exactly is the nature of this mitzvah? So again, the guy, the guy worked for you, he, he's owed $1,000, and so now uh, you know, he's, a finish, he's officially finished working, and, uh, you know, and now you have the mitzvah kicks in that you have to pay him by the end of the day. And, you, and the day goes on, so you, you're in violation of the mitzvah. What's this idea that you have to pay by this, by this window? The question is as follows, is this, in the language of, of the of the Achreinim, of the Paiskin, is this a, a mitzvah which is rooted in, in Chesh Mishpat, in monetary law? Or is this a mitzvah which is rooted in more Yeridea, Isr Vahatradika law? The meaning is as follows. Like I said before, an employee has the right to demand wages. That's, that's part of the deal. He worked for you, monetarily speaking. He, he has a claim against you. The question is, is this idea that the Torah said, okay, now you, and he has the mitzvah to pay within this tight window, is the, idea, is the idea that that is coming because of a right that the employee has on the employer? 
In other words, besides the regular right and demand and claim that I have against my employer for $1,000, which without this mitzvah, that's an open-ended claim. I mean, you know, the guy owes me the money, uh, you know, and he could theoretically keep on pushing me off, right? I mean, if Bezin sees that the guy's uh, being irresponsible, then they'll step in. But technically, my claim is $1,000, and it's open-ended. No, comes the target and says, no, no, that, that you have a claim of $1,000 against that guy, monetarily speaking, you have a right to your $1,000, and you have an additional right to have that $1,000 be paid to you within that first initial window of time. So it's coming because of a schus, because of a monetary right that you have over your employer. So not only do you have a right over your employer to get $1,000, but you have a specific right over your employer to get your $1,000 in the first window of opportunity, that first day or that first night. So the concept over here is, so one side of the argument is, uh, one possibility is that the nature of this mitzvah is chayshimish, but it's monetary law. The Torah, what the Torah is doing is inventing an additional right that the employee has over the employer, monetarily speaking. That's one side of the argument. Or, no, monetarily speaking, his claim is $1,000 and it's open-ended. It's not specific to any particular window of time, monetarily speaking. What's the nature of this mitzvah? Not a monetary mitzvah. It, this is a mitzvah that the, that's between the employer and God. There's mitzvahs between, uh, you know, the employer has to keep Shabbos, the employer has to keep kashas, the employer has to pay his employees in that first initial window of time. Not because the employee has a claim over him to do so. It's something that's incumbent upon the employer to do, to fulfill his obligation, to fulfill his mitzvah. Now, to bring, to bring the point across, let me give you two nafkaminas, two differences in halacha between these two sides of the argument. Let's say you have, again, employer and employee. The guy is owed $1,000, okay? And, and Nebuch Rachman Atzlan, the employee dies. Okay, so we know that if a person is owed money, then, and the person passes away, so the debt is not just gone, it goes to the inheritance. It goes to the, to, to the people that inherit. So the person's son, for example, would inherit that claim that he has for that $1,000. The question is, would the employer still be obligated to pay, would these, would these mitzvahs still apply to the Yoyrish, to the son of the employee? If the, the concept is like this, if the, if the mitzvah to pay the employee in that tight window, in that first initial window, is one of the monetary rights that the Torah is creating for the employee, well, as any monetary right will go in inheritance. So just as he had the right against his employee, employer to be paid in that initial window, so now he's no longer here, his son steps in his place, and his son will be able, it, 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 it has the right to be paid in that, in that tight window. If, however, this is a, a between man and God type of thing, there's a classic uh, principle in halacha, which is isur libre layoris. You don't give over isurim and mitzvahs to your son. You give over monetary rights to your son and monetary ownership of things to your son, but you don't give over mitzvahs. If this is a mitzvah that's really between the employer and God, it's not going to transfer over to the employee's son. So that's not communion number one. If an employee were to die, Rahman before that window is closed, does the employer still have these obligations to pay the child, the Irish, the inheritor, within that tight window? If it's chayshemish halacha, if it's a monetary right that the employer that the employee has, then yes. If it's a iser, if it's a between man and god type of thing, then it won't transfer over to inheritor. That's nafkamin number one. Nafkamin number two. I mentioned before that if a, obviously anything that's 
you, you know, and, and if a person is owed money, right, whether, you know, monetary or otherwise, whatever it is, Bezdin will, will get involved. But here, here's the idea. There's a difference between when Bezdin gets involved, if a person owes, let's put it this way, when a per, if a person owes money and Bezdin, the halach is as follows, and Bezdin realizes that this guy's He's not, he's not taking it seriously. So there's such a thing in Allah that's called Bezin Yardlin Achasav, that Bezin sends uh, people to go down to his property and, and then and, you know, get the funds necessary to pay this person's debts. That's Allah. But here's, here's the Nakuda. Bezin will do that both for monetary claims, for things that, that someone is owed, right? So a guy comes to Bezin and says, Shimon owes me $100. Right? And he's being negligent, and Bezin investigates, and they realize it's Hakachu. So Bezin will go down and get $1,000 out of Shimon's estate and then give it to Reuven. They'll do such a thing. Not, Bezin will do that because someone is owed money. Bezin will also go down to a person's property and enforce, enforce them to fulfill a mitzvah. So, for example, if, if, again, we don't have this nowadays so much, but theoretically, if a person was not giving tzedakah, he has the means and he's not giving tzedakah. So, that, so there is no particular poor person that can claim he owes me money. It's not like that. It's a mitzvah between, between him and God that a person that has the means should give tzedakah. But Bezdin not only will go down to, to collect, to uh, pay off a person's, you know, to, uh, because someone is owed money, Bezdin will also go down to a person's property to compel them to fulfill mitzvahs. So in both these scenarios... Bezin's going to this guy's property. Scenario number one, he's going down to the, they're going down to the property to pay off money that he owes someone. And another scenario, they're going down to his property to make sure that he gives his tzedakahs. But there's a basic difference between the, how those two things work. The halach is, when, when Bezin is going down to a guy's property to, to take money to give to people that he mamish owes, because they have a claim and a right against him, the halach is, they'll go down to your property whether you're there or not. That's Allah. But when Bezin is going down to your property to make sure that you're fulfilling a mitzvah, not because anyone has a right and a claim against you, but just you have a mitzvah to give tzedakah, so Bezin is going to go to make sure that you do your mitzvah, they're only, the halach is they're only going down to your property to do it if you're there. And then on some level, they're sort of like whether you like it or not, acting on your behalf. So that's the halach. So the question is over here. If, you know, the guy, let's say, the, again, the employee is owed $1,000, and the window of opportunity the employer has to pay within that day. And uh, it's getting late. And so the employee runs to Bez and says, listen, my employer owes me $1,000, and the mitzvah is that he has to pay by, by sundown, and he's not doing it. So the Allah is, Bezin is certainly going to go down and compel him to get the money. But let's say the guy's not there. Would Bezin go down to his property even if he's not there? Well, that depends on whether this mitzvah is a choshen mishpat mitzvah, or is it an iser v'hatr mitzvah? If this is money that, the, the fact that, 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 that he should be paid within that day, if that's something that the employee has a right to, it's one of his rights, then the Allah is, Bezin takes care of a person's rights, whether the employer is there or not. But if this is a mitzvah that's just incumbent on the employer, not because it's a right of the employee, well, whenever Bezin goes down to compel people to do mitzvahs, they're only doing that when they're there. So that's going to be another nafkamina. If Bezin were to go down to a person's property to force them to pay their, their wages within that tight window of time, would they do that even if the employer was not there? If it's chayshu mishpat, if it's, if it's coming because of a right that the employee has, then they'll do it. If it's coming because of just a mitzvah on the employer, they're only going to do that if the employer is present. 
So these are the, these are the nafkaminas. Would it would this would these mitzvahs of paying on time and so on would it apply to inherit to uh, to the employee's children? Number one and number two, if Bezdin were to compel the person to fulfill this obligation, would they be willing to do it? Would they be able to do it even if the person's not there? First nafkamina, how would that practically work out? The owner would have to, the, the employer would have to die that day before sunset. The employee, the employee would would ha- would not do it, you know. If, if you were to die that day before sunset, does that, that window of time, does that transfer over to, uh, to the inheritance, to, to, the, to the Irish? Right? That would be the question. It's, uh, you know, unlikely, whatever it is, but that, that would be the question. That would be the question. Okay, so that's the Shiloh. Now let's see, let's see a little bit, you know, in terms of the sources, the two sides of the argument. Okay? I mean, you know, spoiler alert, any, 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 <laughs> anything in halacha, whenever you ask a question in halacha, in Tyra and Yiddishkeit, unless the question is, is there, God, is there such a thing as God, right? The answer is machlaikis, right? Certain things is just like, you know, uh, standard, you know, that's what they say, they say a joke. Why, <laughs> see them say a joke against a litfox. How do we, how, why did litfox, how did litfox know that there's a rabbinic shalom? So they say, because when the Rambam says there's a God, the Raiva doesn't disagree. So Mela. So it must be that there's a God. That's what they say. But uh, that's anti-Semitic, so we don't have to <laughs> dwell on it. Anyway, so take a look at Maramukha number one. So we'll start like this. There's a Gemara Ba Mitzia, Kufiud Aleph and Aleph. And the Gemara is talking about a particular, it's interesting, uh, ex- case in this mitzvah. And we'll see there's different interpretations of the Rishonim about this Gemara. And I think you could definitely make the argument that it's two sides of this argument, of this, uh, this Shiloh. So let's say like this. The Gemara says in Ba Mitzia, Kufiud Aleph and Aleph. Amar Rabba Bar Rabbi Baravuna said as follows: Hanu Hanish Shukoi Desura, the businessman of the marketplace of Sura. Sura is one of the cities in Bavel. So the the uh, the businessmen that have that run businesses in the Shuk of Sura, Einan Oivren Mishum Baltalan, the people that they that their employees that they have employees, they're n- almost never in violation of this prohibition of not paying on time. Why? Not because they always pay on time. But made the Yadi Dayomid the Shuk Samchi. Now this is the version of the Gemara that we have, and the words are because the employees that they have know that when they when they get hired, they know that they're really relying on uh, the day of the shuk, the day of the market. What does that mean? So the way Rashi interprets the Gemara, Marmarka number two, Rashi explains like this. He says that you know people that that the businessmen of the shuk of Sura, they didn't have cash always, and uh, when when it came the day of the shuk, you know the day of the market, that's when they would have. The cash to pay, the, the cash to pay. So therefore, says Rashi, when you had, when you became an employee of these people, when you uh, started working for a businessman of Sura, y- you sort of knew going in that you're not getting paid until the market day. Like it's just even if even if the your your official wages, you know, your officially work is done, uh, you know, on Monday, whatever it is, if the market's not till Thursday, like you know, you're not getting paid because the guy doesn't have cash. It's just a standard thing. And so when you when you go into the business deal, sort of you under, that's kind of the agreement, and therefore there's no violation of this prohibition, because that's, that's, that's understood between the employer and the employee, that, uh, you know, Lamaisa, don't expect to get paid until the market day. Says Rashi, Hilkach, Afilu Therefore, says Rashi, even if, whatever reason, it turns out that this businessman of Surah happens to have cash on Monday, but since, as the employee, you went in with the assumption that there's probably not going to be any cash available until the market day, 
Even if he does have the money, they're not in violation of the prohibition if they don't pay you until the market day. Because that was part of the deal. That was the assumption. That was the understanding when you go in that you're not getting paid until the market day. That's, that's Rashi. Now let, let's, let's analyze this for a second. We saw last week that in order to even have a discussion of being in violation of this prohibition, you need two things, right? We saw last week that the, there has to be money to pay. And number two, the employee has to ask. Has to ask. Which means that the discussion we're talking about over here is the following case. person becomes an employee, start working for this uh, Sura businessman, right? And like Rashi says, fine, when I initially take the job and I'm working, you know, I'm, uh, I'm working uh, for a couple days for this guy, uh, I know that I'm probably not going to get paid till the market day because usually they don't have cash, I get it. But the case is where even before the market day comes, I go to my employer and I say, listen, I understand that usually it's not like that, but Lamaisa, I need my money. If you have any money, please, I'm asking for it. And the guy has the money and he doesn't pay him. And despite that, despite the fact that he asked, that the employee asked, and the employer has the money to pay, says the Gemara, there's no violation because that was part of the understanding when I first hired him. Right? That's the Gemara. To me... This only makes sense if the concept of this mitzvah is a monetary idea. When you're dealing with monetary rights, so there's such a thing as mechila, that you could be meichel. So in other words, uh, like if, I, if, I, uh, you know, if someone owes me money, then obviously you know, he doesn't have, you know, if I say I'm meichel, if I, if I forgive the loan, then the loan is forgiven. So in this case, what's going on over here? Despite the fact that all the, all the boxes are checked in order to make this prohibition apply, right? The guy owes the money, right? The, the debt is not being forgiven. The guy owes the money. And the work is over today, which means the guy's owed the money today. And the person has the money available. And I asked him for my wages. So says, but says the Gemara, according to Rashi, there is no prohibition of your why. Because when I initially took the job, it was with an agreement and an understanding that I'm not going to ask for the wages, that initial window of time. And it's, not, and it's understood that you don't, you're not going to have to pay me during the window of time. Uh, that, that's, that's, that, that type of discussion, that type of, uh, of deal that's being made, that's, that, that's clearly indicative of, of, a, of, a, of a chesh mishpat, of a monetary discussion, where you owe me $1,000, not only then, and I have a claim against you of $1,000, and on top of that, I have a claim against you to give me the $1,000 in this window of time, so then you can say, well, when I initially took the job, I was Michael, not the thousand dollars, I still want to get paid, but I was Michael what? That right that I could have had on you to get paid in that window. And therefore, once I was Michael, once I forgave that, I let go of that claim, then the claim is gone, right? If a person's owed money, right, and the person, uh, and the person says, you know what, I'm Michael, and they shake hands, you know, they write a piece, like, I'm Michael, they can't, the guy can't just go back on his word. There was a Michila, finished. So the same thing over here. I had a right to get paid within that window of opportunity, but when I initially took the job, it was sort of an understood agreement that I'm going to, for, I'm going to forgo that right. So I can't just bring it up later on. It doesn't work like that. Just like anything else that I, Michael, that I forgive, that there's a right, a claim that I could have, but I let go of it, then it doesn't just come back. So the fact that, that all the, but, but again, this is only if it's chesh and mishpat, if it's monetary. If this is not a monetary issue, then it has nothing to do with whether I agree or concede or not. As long as I'm owed money, which I am, 
And as long as that guy has money to pay me, which he does, and as long as I ask for the money, which I did, so there's no reason why the halach, why this mitzvah shouldn't apply. Well, you tell me, because when I officially took the money, I told him I'm, I'm not going to claim against him, so what? Again, if, it's, if, it's, if the whole mitzvah is coming because of a monetary right that I had on him, so when I agreed not to, not to, not to demand my money at the right, you know, before the day of the shuk, that means I'm letting go of that right. But if it was never based on rights, it was just a mitzvah between him and God, then, then what, do I, what, what, what does my saying have anything to do with that? I, can, I, could, I could promise and I could pinky swear that I'm not going to ask for my money until the day of the market, but I, guess what? I lied. And now I'm claiming my money. So, so then, then the mitzvah should, should come in. There was never, it, the, the mitzvah was not tethered to my rights that when I forego a right, all of a sudden the mitzvah goes away. It's between him and God as long as those boxes are checked. There's no reason to think it. At the, it, it, at the end of the day, once, it, it's like, um, it, it, think of it, it's like shotness. We have wool and linen together. So I could, I could, I could you know, the, the, the person that's, the, uh, the tailor can, can, can make a deal. I'm making a deal. When we make, uh, make the suit, the deal is it's not going to be shotness. And it's a big shotness. I mean, uh, it is what it is. It, it, was, never, it was never based on, on a monetary right. Again, if the, if the reason why the obligation, why the prohibition lands on this guy's head it's because of some claim, a monetary claim that the employee had over him. Well, that claim was never agreed upon in the beginning of the business transaction. So I understand. But if it was never based on a claim that the employee has on the employer, it's just these are the circumstances of this mitzvah that if you owe money and you have the cash and the person asks for it, then you have the mitzvah to pay, then it was never about an, a right that the employee had that he can let go of. And then say, well, you know, even if he then goes and asks for it, there's never, uh, you know, he, he doesn't have the right for money. Like the, so the fact that according to the, that, that Rashi interprets this Gemara to mean that despite the fact that the guy has the money, and despite the fact that he's owed the money, and despite the fact that the employee asks for the money, with all that being said, the employer is still not obligated to pay on time because in the beginning of the deal, the employee never went in wanting to have this claim, this right, against the employer, so clearly it's a monetary issue. It's, 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 a monetary, it's a monetary right, and he's Michael that. This is the assumption of all businessmen and of all, of all uh, you know, employee-employee relationships is this, standard operation in Sura. But, 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 but again, it, this, is, this, is a, this whole discussion is revolving around a business mindset of like how much rights does the employee have over the employer? Well, that depends on the circumstances of the environment. So in Sura, this is not uh, part of the deal. Okay, but but if this is not a, a monetary claim issue, this is this is between man between the employer and God. What does it have anything to do with whether the employee promises he's not going to claim or has that assumption? It's not anything that they could be moichel on. No, let's go the opposite. Let's go an extreme case before the employer. Hires the employee. He makes him sign a piece of paper which says you're not gonna you're, that that although you're owed the money, you're not gonna come knocking on my door until the day of the shuk. And the guy violates that. So, so 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 then the, the prohibition shouldn't apply. Prohibition does apply. He's owed the money. The guy's the cash, and he asked for it. Finished. Again, it the, so so why doesn't it apply? Well, because it, well, if you say that it's a it's coming from a right that the employee has on the employer, any right that a person has or could have, you can forego. And once you forego that right, then the prohibition will never kick in because it's based on a right. And rights, you can be Michael. This is all the opinion of Rashi. 
But if you take a look at Maramaka number three, there's Ramach, one of the other Rishonim brought down in the Sheet of the Kabetzes, also in this Gemara, and he specifically interprets the Gemara not like Rashi. He says like this, again, he quotes the Gemara, Om Rav Baravuna, Rav Baravuna said, Hanin Shekai de Sura, these businessmen of Sura, ain't an Ivor Mishon Baltolin, they're not in violation of Baltolin, Dayomi de Shuka Samchi, because they only have cash on the day of the market. Says the Ramach, Shein Bali Chanois, we're talking about businessmen, Shein Mois Mitsuit Zetzlin Elobiyan Mashuk. Says the Ramach, you know why they're not in violation? Because when you actually go to them before the day of the Shuk, they actually don't have money. And, so the, and the Allah is, we know, we saw this last week, that if the guy doesn't have cash, then there's no prohibition uh, kicking in. Inference being, but let's say they do have money. So the Ramach would say, not like Rashi, the Ramach would say, well, if the guy has money, then of course. Of course they're in violation of the prohibition. Of course they have to pay on time. I, Rashi, Rashi made a point that everyone that gets employed by these people, you automatically assume that the normal mode of operations is you're not getting paid until the day of the Shuk. Says the Ramach, so what? All the boxes are checked. At the end of the day, you have the cash, they ask for the money, you owe the money, finished. So you're in violation of the prohibition. What boils down is, a machlek is between Rashi and Ramach, the following scenario. The, the, again, the, the assumption is when you go as an employee of these people, don't ask for your money until the day of the shuk. That's the assumption. But let's say you go against that, uh, that grain, and you talk, go to your employer before the day of the shuk and ask to be paid. And the guy has the money to pay you. Is, the, is, he, is he in violation? Like, does he have to pay you on time? Says Rashi, absolutely not. Says Ramach, absolutely yes. What's the issue? So to me, this is the cut. This is the Shiloh. If it's a man, again, if it's Cheshen Mishba, and it's rooted in, in, the, in, the very, in, the, in the underlying cause of the prohibition, root of the prohibition is the right of the employee over the employer, well, if part of the business dealings in Surah is that you don't have such a right, you sort of, you're foregoing that right when you go into business with these people, then fine, then, then, then the, the underlying root of the prohibition never exists. And so says Rashi, even if the guy has the money, you forgo, you, you, you let go of that right when you first became his employer, his employee. On the other hand, if it's a chayshim, if it's Isr it's between him and God, and it's not rooted in the rights of the employee that he then can let go of, or, you know, uh, be Michael when he goes to become an employee, uh, then who cares? Then it's a matter of just, is it, is it wool and linen together or not? So he has the cash, you owe the money, he has for it, then you have to pay, finish, there's no shayla. So it would seem to be a machlekes between Rashi and the Ramach. Now this is, you know, maybe it's a little bit stretched or it's complicated. There's a much more clear, also, machlekes Rishonim about this, as you'll see in a second. Okay, take a look at Maramukh number four. Okay, just another, another Gemara where there's a machlekes Rishonim about this Gemara, and it seems to be these two sides of the argument. So again, the Gemara says in, in again, We saw a little bit of this last week, although not all the details. So the Gemara says like this, we, we, you know, in the classical case of this halacha, so there was like a, a, a day laborer and a night laborer. But we mentioned last week, what if it's not a full day and a full night? You're, what if it's a few hours during the day or a few hours during the night? So, so that's what the Gemara is discussing over here. So it says the Gemara, if a person is hired to work for just a few hours. So, so, um, no, you know, I'm sorry, that's a little bit, Typo. Take a look. The, the next line. Amarav. Yeah? Amarav. So Rav says like this. Schir shais. The following is the opinion of Rav. Schir shais diyoyim. If you are hired for just a few hours, well, says Rav, if those few hours are in the middle of the day, or in the morning, whatever it is, the hours are up and it's still daytime, 
then Gaiva Kalayan. Then now the window to be paid is the rest of that day. Okay? Skir Shais Delilah. And if the hours that you worked are in the middle of the night, so Gaiva Kalalaila, then the window is the rest of that night. Shmuel Amr Shmuel says, interesting, we're not going to go into why Shmuel says this, but Shmuel's opinion is as follows. Skir Shais Diyayim. If the hours that you were hired for to work is during the day, then I agree. Gaiva Kalayan. The window of time to be paid is the rest of the day. However, says Shmuel, if the window, if the, the hours that you were that you were working are the night time, a few hours in the night, then the employer has more time. He can pay back the rest of the night, the all the way to the next day as well. Okay, why is why is the employer given more time if you worked if your hours of work are at night in the opinion of Shmuel? That's not for now, but that's much like it's between Shmuel. Question is, how do we hold? How do we pass him? So it's Machlag. It's Maramaka number five, the Smag, Sefer Mitzvah's Gedailas. It's one of the Baliataisvis. So he writes the following thing in Lav and Kuf Be'al. If you wrote a Sefer of Mitzvahs, and each Mitzvah, he sort of doesn't just go through the basic idea, he goes to some of too. So in Prohibition 181, so he talks about this prohibition of paying workers on time. Says the Smag, it was Chir Shais Diyayim. If a person is, is working for a few hours during the day, right? then the window is the rest of the day. That Rav and Shmuel agreed upon. Says the smog. Let's say you're working for a few hours at night. Then who do we hold like? Says the smog. You have the entire rest of the night and the following day, which is the opinion of Shmuel. Why, why says the smog, why am I holding like Shmuel? We have a basic rule in halacha. Whenever you have a machlegas rav and Shmuel, how do we know what to do? So the halacha is like this. If it's a monetary dispute, we go with Shmuel. If it's Isr Vehetr, between man and God dispute, you go with Rav. So says the Smag, we have Machlagas Rav and Shmuel about this halacha of paying an employee on time. So says the Smag, and I pass him like Shmuel, Hilchasek Shmuel Bedin, because halacha is like Shmuel when it comes to monetary law. Boom. So it's pretty straight up that the Smag is telling us that this is a monetary sugya, this is a monetary issue. This is not between man and God. This is, this is a claim and a right, it's an issue of rights from one person on another. Now, this is the opinion of the Smag. Take a look at Maramaka number 6, the Rambam. The Rambam in Hilchas Schiris also discusses this halacha, who do we hold like between Rav and Shmuel. Says the Rambam, Schir Shay Shal again, a person is working for just a few hours during the day, the window is the rest of the day. Schir Shay Shal and if a person is working just for a few hours at night, your window is only the rest of the night. So the Rambam is passing like Rav, not like Shmuel. Why does he pass like Rav? Maramukha number seven, the Magad Mishnah, one of the commentaries of the Rambam says, Pasa Karav, why the Rambam Paskin like Rav? Because Allah is like Rav when it comes to Isr, when it comes to Mitzvah man and God, you Paskin like Rav. So one second. It's, it's the same sugya. Right? We're talking about this question of Rav and Shmuel about paying a worker on time. How much time do you have? It's Machlegas Rav and Shmuel in this scenario of Ischir Laila, of Ischir Shais Delaila. You're working for a few hours at night. It says a smog, well, you should Paskin like Shmuel, it's monetary. Says the Rabbi, no, passing like Rav, it's Isser. That's, that's the Machlekes over here. So the Smag understands the nature of this mitzvah, right, is what is a monetary issue. It's a, uh, it's a monetary issue. And because of that, we should pass him like Shmuel. The, the Magin Mishnah is interpreting the Rambam as, no, 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 this is an Isser, Deke issue, and therefore for that you should pass him like Rav. By the way, this, saying this in the Rambam, it's interesting. Take a look at Maramukha number 8. So, okay. Um, no, 
it's going to make it more complicated or not. Okay, fine. You know, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll leave that. We'll leave the rest of this side. Bekitzer, what comes out over here? We started with with a, with a shaila. Is the nature of this mitzvah monetary? Is it a question of that the employee has rights over the employer, not just for a thousand dollars, but he has rights to be paid within that first initial window, and that's where these mitzvahs are coming from? Or no, it's it's not not because of his his rights are to get paid a thousand dollars when uh, he doesn't have a particular right to be paid at a particular time. So why does the employer have to pay him at this at this at the, that initial window? It's between him and God. And so, so what 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 it seems is again, and we, what we what we what we're, what we're seeing over here is a number of nafkaminas, a number of nafkaminas between these two sides. One one nafkamina we started off with was, um, what was it again? If let's say the the employer the employee dies, right? Will this prohibition kick in even to the inher- the inheritor? That's one shaila. The other the other nafkamina was as we said, will the be- if Bezdin does get involved and they go down to the guy's property to pay his employer his employees during that initial window, would they be able to do that even if he's not there? If it's a monetary right issue, then they'll take care of it no matter what. If it's if it's compelling him to do his mitzvahs, it's only in front of him. Another nafkami that we, we just saw based on the, the initial Gemara of Mitzvah was, let's say the employee initi- initially becomes the employee and they have this agreement that I'm not going to ask for, for, for my money initially and I want to forgo this right of getting paid in that initial window. Would that work? Would that give the employer uh, free range to pay later? Well, the, okay, if, if it's a right issue, then you could forgo that. If it's not a right issue between man and God, then you telling him uh, initially that you're not going to ask for the money doesn't make a difference. If you end up doing asking for the money, then it's irrelevant. Yeah. And now, huh? Yeah. He, uh, well, again, we saw last week. He has to ask for it. He has to ask for it. So, but what, once he asks for it again, uh, the, the, if it's not if it's not a right issue, then there's nothing to be. If no, the mechil is not a discussion, he can say whatever he says when he first becomes an employee. It's irrelevant. Is the owner, is, is the owner, so we're asking, is the onus on the right of, as a monetary transaction, or is, is it, it ulti- that, um, from, from the person who right. is employing the other? Right, right. That's the question. That's the question. And the final aspect that we just saw was, would you pass in this case like Rav or Shmuel? If it, again, this machlag is between Rav and Shmuel in terms of a schir shais, how much time a person working at night has, it's machlag is Rav and Shmuel. Rav is always the one you side with when, it comes to, when it's an Isser question, and Shmuel is always the one that you side with when it comes to a Mamas question. And so that's going to be the Shiloh. Okay. Halach Lamaisa, I don't know. Uh, the Chavetz Chaim, for example, I'll tell you, the Chavetz Chaim, for example, writes, that uh, that this is a, that this this whole that this mitzvah is an iser. It's between man and God. That's how the Chavetz Chaim paskins. Rav Chaim Moiser in in Shuvas Achiezer said not like that. That it's a monetary issue. So listen, it's a uh, You know, it's a machlek. He said ongoing. The point is, pay your workers on time. So with with the Rambam, we have pasuk like Rav. Which the pasuk like Rav. So, so there are other explanations in the Rambam why the pasuk like Rav. If you, in the Sugi of the Gemara, Rav is connected with other Tanoim, so maybe it's for that reasons as well. But the Magen Mishnah says it's because Hilchas like Rav Yisuri. Okay, so just to end off for a few minutes and a little bit of Pneumius, again, like I mentioned all the time, Nigla is about making different camps, and Nister is about bringing the camps back together. 
But you can only do that once the camps have been clarified. So it's not just like, you know, so there are these two sides of the argument, whether the nature of this mitzvah is fundamentally something that is coming from the right of the employee over the employer, or this is just something that's coming from the employer's side. So we saw last week at the end, according to the Rizal, that the, 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 the panemius, the soul of this mitzvah, the concept of this mitzvah is, um, it, it's related to Shabbos. Right? That's what we saw last week. Right? That you have to pay your worker on the day that he finishes work. As we saw that the Rizal said that, uh, that uh, we, we work, and the Rav has to pay us back, and the way the Rav Hashem pays us back is with the Neshama Yisayar Shabbos. So this is a, a Shabbos Dekim Mitzvah. Now, th- now, when you think of Shabbos, these two, th- the fact that this Mitzvah contains within it clearly two different sides, two different ways to be oriented towards this Mitzvah. One way of thinking about this Mitzvah, that it's something that is coming from below to above. Something that's coming from the employee having a right over the employer versus another way of viewing this mitzvah which is, no, 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 it's not coming from below to above from the employee having a right over the employer. This is something that's above to below, so to speak. The employer just has this obligation to give, you know, without it coming as a right and as a demand of the employee. These two sides are both true when it comes to shops. They're both true when it comes to shops. What do I mean? So it's interesting. The Pasuk says, for example, we say that we do. We, we fulfill this Friday night. Zacher siyam Shabbos lekadsha. Remember Shabbos to sanctify it. So, on the one hand, that pasuk indicates that our relationship with Shabbos is something that we are making. We are sanctifying Shabbos. We're doing it. We're without us, there is no Shabbos. We are the ones that are creating Shabbos. We we are the ones that are uh, 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 that are that are generating kedusha Shabbos. On the other hand, Chazal have a lashon when it comes to Shabbos that it's considered a matan; it's a gift. Like Hashem gave us all the, gave us a tar, but there's one mitzvah in particular that Hashem calls a gift. Even within the gift of tar, He calls us a gift. The measure says that Hashem said to Moshe Rabbeinu, "Matan I have a gift in my treasure house, and I want to give to the Jewish people, and it's called Shabbos. Hashem doesn't say that about Shadnez or about uh, Kashrus. Shabbos is called a gift. A gift, in, a gift is indicative of what? Of something that's completely above to below. It's not because of anything we're creating or earning or, or generating. It's, it's from above to below. So, you, so we have to figure this out. Like, so what is Shabbos? But you do see these two sides of what Shabbos is. On the one hand, there is something about Shabbos that we are creating. On the other hand, Shabbos is called a gift from above. So we'll have to explain in a, in a moment what that means, or how these two sides are true, but, 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 but because of these two elements of Shabbos, that is, 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 um, is reverberating in halacha. And so the, the, these Rishayim and Chazals and so on, that are each, each shita is taking one side of the argument, is this mitzvah a right, is a mitzvah coming from the right of the employee over the employer? Or is it coming from the employer just giving to the employee? So the, 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 the reason why these two sides are, where there's truth to both of them is because the root of where this entire mitzvah is coming from is the light of Shabbos. And the light of Shabbos has these two qualities to it. It's just by the time it gets out to halacha in this mitzvah, so you have two camps. But it's coming from the same place. So what's the pshataka that Shabbos is both something that we're generating and something that's a gift from above? So I'll give you two. I'll give you two ways how to how to think about 
uh, how it could be both at the same time. Okay, one way one way would be more of the um, I'll give it one way according to the Mukubalim, more of a, a Svar, you know, an L, so the Svardim into L, more of a Svardi uh, Mukubal approach. So it's like this. One side of the argument, one way to think of it is as follows. You know, every day, whenever, whenever, you know, you wake up uh, Wednesday morning, Bez Hashem. So Wednesday is not just another day of the week. Wednesday is a whole universe. Wednesday is a whole universe. There's a universe of Wednesday. And, and there's a universe, and, and the spiritual universe of Wednesday needs to be built. And so you have to go through Shachas and Chamarev. You have to get tzedakah. You have to learn. You have to do your mitzvahs. And all the misses that you do on Wednesday are not just chaotic, random moments. This is building an infrastructure, a, a, a dwelling place for God's presence that's called Wednesday. And then you move on to Thursday. And Thursday also needs to be built. And so every single day of the week has to be built, has to sort of be built. There has to be spiritual infrastructure created and, uh, and, and, and put together by you throughout every single day of the week. When every single day of the week is taken care of, then all of a sudden, I, I mentioned this in a sheer once, think about it like, like in construction. If you want to have a second floor, then you have to have, what's the first, what do you have to have first? First floor, right? That's the way it goes. You can't build a second floor without a first floor. That's the way it goes. Shabbos is called the second floor. Shabbos, Shabbos, every single day of the week, we're building a particular piece of the first floor. Shabbos, we're building the entire second floor. That's the way spiritually you have to think of Shabbos. Shabbos is not just one day of the week. Shabbos is, spiritually speaking, the universe of Shabbos is the entirety of that week, second floor. So, but, but here's the Chiddush. That day of Shabbos, when you're building the second floor of the entire week on Shabbos, what, what, when, what about the what about the first floor Saturday piece? In other words, right, so, again, the, the, the first floor you're building in, in particular pieces. So Sunday is a piece of it, Monday is another piece, Tuesday, v'chulu, v'chulu. And then also when it comes to Shabbos, you, you, you still need to fill in that, that last little slot to the first floor. But all of a sudden, no, no, no. Uh, Shabbos is different. You're no longer working on first floor stuff. You, now you're building the entire second floor. But what about that, in, that last seventh of uh, the first floor? So according to the Kabbalim, that's a matana. That's a matana. What, there, what, usually, what usually requires our work on any particular day of the week, that is automatically done for us by the Rabbanu Shalom on Shabbos. And now the first floor is complete in, in, in total without our involvement in that last seventh slot. And now we could get involved in our construction on the second floor throughout the day of Shabbos. And so according to Mukhamal, it's an amazing thing. And, and this affects, I mean, it's not so practical for people like us so much, or at least uh, the way we interact, with, at least the way we think we interact with the world. But in Kavanis, this, 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 this plays a major, major role, is that whatever you were doing, and whatever you were hands-on doing, on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, is done for you on Shabbos. And then what you're doing on Shabbos is building the second floor over Sunday through, through Saturday. And so this is a way of thinking how Shabbos is both something that you are that you are generating, that you are creating, you are active, because what you're and at the same time it's also matana. How is it both? The answer is in terms of building the second floor, which is the main avoid of Shabbos. Certainly, you're doing it. You're the construction guy. You're doing it, just like you were building the first floor until Saturday. 
What's the matana aspect of Shabbos? The matana aspect of Shabbos is, is that instead of having to be preoccupied with the building of that last little bit of the first floor, that the Rabbanu takes care of for you and you could just get going on the top floor. That's in the Svartish way by the Mukabala. Now, that's a little bit abstract, okay? So, let me share with you a piece, another way of thinking of this idea of Shabbos being a matana and also something that we earn at the same time in the way of Chassidus. So if you take a look at Marmok number 11, so this is a piece from Rav Tzadik HaKayin, just very quickly. Rav Tzadik says like this, <clears throat> we'll go through it quickly. Kedusha Shabbos Kviv HaKayim Mitzad HaShem Yisbarach. Shekit Shavimei Bresh. It says Rav Tzadik, on the one hand we know Shabbos is again, is a gift. Shabbos says something coming from the Rabbanu Shloylam, he gives us Shabbos, it's said in stone, it's not, it doesn't depend on us, it's a gift from above. Because immediately by creation, without there being a human being to, uh, to earn it and so on, it says, it says, Hashem sanctified Shabbos. So it's coming from Him. Hashem did it Himself. Nevertheless, He's raising our issue. But when the Torah was given, we were then commanded, We have to sanctify Shabbos. Meaning, that we have to sanctify Shabbos when Shabbos comes in. So the question is, which one is it? Is it a gift or is it something that we're doing? Even though it seems that Shabbos is holy by itself. We still have to sanctify it. So how do we do both? What, what's the sin here? It says, Shabbos, it says something like this, Shabbos is a gift. The Kedusha Shabbos is a gift. It's not something you have to generate, but you do have to receive it. And if you don't receive it, then for all practical purposes, it doesn't exist. So it's like, it's like, it's like if you have a, 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 a teacher and student. The teacher is not going to teach unless there's a student. So I'm... So on the one hand, who's the giver and who's the receiver? Who's the one that's creating? The teacher is creating the idea and the student is receiving it. But if it wasn't for the student sitting there and receiving, then the teacher would not, then the concept that the teacher has would never come into reality, so to speak, and will be as if it never, never existed. So in a certain sense, it's the, it's the student by receiving from the teacher that's creating the, the, the lecture in a certain sense. Because without him receiving the lecture, the lecture would never be. It would be a concept, it would be an idea, but it would never be brought out. You need, you need someone to be listening in order for the lecturer to be willing to talk. So says Ratzavik, that's how Shabbos works. Shabbos is a light. And Shabbos is a light that doesn't demand our creating that light and generating that light. But it does demand our receiving it. And by us receiving that light, on a certain sense, we're creating it. Because if it wasn't for us receiving it, that light would remain sort of hidden and just a theory. And it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be actually brought out in reality. So Shabbos is therefore both a gift, but it's also something that you were generating or creating. It has both those qualities to it. So it says we're talking like this. By us receiving the Kedusha that's being offered to us on Shabbos, that's called we're creating Shabbos. That's how Shabbos manifests and, 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 and gets, you know, and sort of uh, ripens and develops. But if there's no one to receive, then there's no, then there's no giving. Then, then Shabbos uh, it doesn't exist, right? If there's no heart through which the light of Shabbos should be able to be, to be felt, 
then for all practical purposes, Shabbos doesn't exist. The entire essence of the holiness of Shabbos is to the extent that it's experienced. And if it's not experienced, then to that extent, it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. So by a person preparing himself to receive the light of Shabbos, that's called you're making Shabbos. And that's what we're doing by Kiddush. When we, what, 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 what are we saying by Kiddush? We're saying that Hashem sanctified Shabbos. And that's how we sanctify Shabbos. So we sanctify Shabbos by saying that Hashem sanctified, by acknowledging it and by receiving, by being a, a receptacle, by being a vehicle to allow the light of Shabbos through us and to be experienced through us. That itself, that itself is, is our contribution to Shabbos. The Kiddush is a Shabbos, and that's how we sanctify Shabbos. In, 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 I'll just end with this very, very quickly. On, on, in a certain sense, the, the Sephardi, the Kabbalistic approach that I mentioned before, it, it, it's kind of synonymous to this because the, it, it, from the perspective of the second floor, the first floor is just receiving. Like, you know what I mean? If, if, if you think about it, like if, if the main objective is the second floor, then the entire purpose of the first floor is just to be there to receive, to allow there to be a second floor. Without a first floor, the second floor is just an idea. It's only real when you have a first floor. And so the fact that, that the gift of Shabbos means that the second floor is there only because the Rabbani Shalom finished that last little bit of the first floor means this, this whole thing, uh, means, means, means your, your entire contribution, what you've been doing the whole week, is really just prepare yourself to receive Shabbos. And by receiving Shabbos, that's, uh, that's called making Shabbos too. It's the same, you know, it's coming from the same place. Right. Your ability, right, your ability, your ability to receive Shabbos is a gift itself. Your ability to receive Shabbos is itself a gift. Like that's, that's, the, that's the next level. That's what the, that's what the, the Sephardi, you know, the Kabbalim, would, would expand this to. It's like, even your ability to receive Shabbos is itself a gift of Shabbos. So the, the, a, a sensitive heart that a, Jew, that a Jew has to feel the light of Shabbos is itself, is itself, that, that, that's also Shabbos, that itself is Shabbos. Okay. Anyway, we'll stop with this, Mr. Shem, but uh, okay. We should be zeichet to taste Shabbos, to have a, a Jewish heart to uh, receive the light of Shabbos properly. Okay.